Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. This is your host, Rigor, and you're listening to The East Meets the West with my co-host, Patsy the Angry Nerd. How are you doing today, Pat? I'm doing all right. Just uh, finally escaping some uh, some flu that I had for the past few days, so um, feeling much better and uh, raring to go talk about these movies. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better. Okay, yeah, I'm excited uh, because after we record today... I'm not really excited about the movies, but after we record today, I'm packing up the car, and the wife and I are headed to Riverside Drive-In in Pennsylvania for the April Ghouls Drive-In Monsterama. And um, that's in Vandergrift, Pennsylvania, which I think is a borough of Pittsburgh. It's, like, right next to Pittsburgh. And they've got this amazing lineup. On Friday night, they're going to be playing Slumber Party Massacre, Sleepaway Camp, which the star Felissa Rose is going to be there, uh, Pieces, and Edge of the Axe, which is an 80s slasher film that I've never heard of. I, I just discovered it recently on Prime. Have you ever heard of this movie or seen it? No, I'm not familiar with that one at all. Yeah, I haven't either. So I'm kind of curious to see it. I'm looking forward to that one because it finally is one I haven't seen. And then Saturday's lineup is going to be An American Werewolf in London, The Howling, um, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and Mausoleum, which I haven't seen Mausoleum in, like, gosh, like 30 years. So... Um, looking forward to that. It's an 80s uh, theme for both nights, and uh, it's like a 10-hour drive, but it's going to be fun. We're going to break it up and stop over in New Jersey, I think, halfway through the, when we leave today. And when I'm there, I'm going to try and get a, a few quick interviews with the drive-in owners. I've kind of got that lined up, as well as the guys that putting on the show. And I think they've been doing these horror fests every April and September for quite a few years now, so I'm finally, I'm finally happy to get my ass over there and check it out. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of them I thought that uh, happen in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know if these are all the same ones, but like I, I've heard of a couple of different, you know, weekend long uh, drive-in things that that are uh, 
you know, supposed to be really, really fun. Yeah, yeah, you're right, because there's another drive-in, and of course the name escapes me. I think it begins with an M. But um, yeah, they've been doing a lot of these kind of things too, so um, may have to make it a yearly road trip and maybe hit them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I know uh, Andre Gower is showing uh, the Monster Squad, and I think uh, the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards at uh, at that other one you were talking oh, about. Oh, okay, yeah. I wish I, I'll, at a later point I'll try and look up the name when we take our break. I can't remember it right now. I want to try and get a few questions, a few questions, few questions with Felissa Rose as well. But they said they weren't sure if she was going to be able to squeeze it into her schedule or not. So we'll kind of wait and see about that. But one cool thing is when we get there, my wife's already planned it out on our little uh, AAA uh, triptych thing. And we're going to swing by the cemetery where they shot night, the beginning of Night of the Living Dead. And so I can grab some photos. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's because it occurred to me at the last minute. I'm like, shit, we're going to be in Pittsburgh. What the hell? You know, <laughs> might as well swing over there and get some photos. Yeah, if you can if you can get there. Yeah, because I'm not 100% sure exactly where all this stuff is because I'm not very familiar with Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, the last time I was there, I think I was 14 and we went to Gettysburg. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a kid. I went to, my parents took me to like Lancaster, Pennsylvania quite a bit and, you know, the Pennsylvania Dutch and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the graveyard, from when I, if I remember correctly from the map, it's just a little bit north of Pittsburgh. It's like twenty or thirty minutes north there, north of there. So, um, so excited for that. I mean, this is you know we're recording this, and this will go out uh, the week after we will have done this. So, if you guys are listening, you want to check it out. I'll have stuff posted on the then is now pages and the website as well, and um, it'll be fun. So today, we are going to discuss the Shaw Brothers film Two Champions of Shaolin from 1980, and the Spaghetti Western Trinity is Still My Name from 1971, and I almost said that incorrectly. <laughs> well, they both have alternate titles, one being Two Champions of Death, and they kept calling him Trinity. Right. Depending on your translations. <laughs> and not to be confused with They Call Me Trinity, and... Well, I mean, you know, th that's good because that's, you know, it's like, oh, it's a good thing your name is Joe. Why is that? Oh, you know, no, it's like, you know, because that's what everybody keeps calling you, you know, right. like. <笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑> Two Champions of Shaolin presents the story of Tung Chin Chin and Hu Wei Chin's fight against the corrupt Wu Tang school and the Manchurian dynasty, I'm sorry, the Manchurian Qing dynasty government. Shaolin Abbot Chi Xin has given strict orders to Tung Chin Chin to go and find Hu Wei Chin so they can form a plan along with Monk Santay to fight the Manchus and help restore the Ming dynasty. 
Tang has developed an incredible amount of strength and power, yet he is gullible and arrogant. He also hates the Manchus, although he is half Manchurian, and is eager to take revenge for his family. Abba Chi Shin warns him about the Wu-Tang clan, and Chi Shin's former classmates, Priest Bai Mei, the leader of Wu-Tang, and Priest Feng Tei, who are Man- Manchu sympathizers. Wu-Tang has heard about Hu Wei Chin killing two of their clan and are itching to get revenge. Priest Feng Tei has a meeting with the top Wu-Tang exponents, knife expert Li Didong, Young Wei Sing Hung, Pao San, and Ying Ju. He tells them of his plot to crush the Shaolin and help the rightful Qing government. When the young and impetuous Wei asks why they are fighting their fellow Han, Chinese Shaolin brothers, Feng Tei quickly assures him that he's too young to understand. After straightening Wei out, Feng Tei hands out the specific orders. Li Didong will go to Canton and kill as many Shaolin men as he can. Pao San and Ying Ju will go to Canton after Didong. Wei and his girlfriend Erwan will be the third team to go to Canton to fight. Additionally, Wu-Tang leader Pai Mei will send one of his students, Ko Chin Chung, and three Yuan brothers, who are experts at monkey style, to help. Feng Tei then gives all the Wu-Tang fighters secret emblems to identify themselves and instructs them to obey whoever has the master symbol. When Tung arrives in Canton, two Wu-Tang students fake a fight to ambush Tung. Tung demolishes the students, shows his immense strength, after all, he is the Shaolin Hercules, and is injured by the deadly secret-throwing knives of Li Didong. Tung manages to escape and is rescued by Chin Tai Lei and his sister Pei. Li Didong meets up with Pao San and Ying Ju to tell of his progress, injuring Tung Chin Chin. Tai Lei and Pei teach Tung how to counter the throwing knives, and he gets revenge by using his newfound knowledge and Kung Fu to kill Li Didong. While killing Li, he meets Shaolin brother Hu Wei Chin, who is beating up some Wu-Tang men. They strike a fast friendship and discuss their plans. When Pao San learns that Didong was killed by Tung, he issues a public challenge to Hu and Tung, which results in Ying Jun being killed by Hu on the stage in a particularly gruesome way, which we'll get into detail <laughs> later on. Oh, yeah. Pao San hatches a plan to kill, kill Pei and Chin Tai Lei. During the wedding of Tung and Pei, Pao San disguises himself, kills Chin Tai Lei, and Erwan kills Pei while Tung is captured alive. Hu Wei Chin was kind of drunk and they locked him in the storage room, so he safely missed the fight. Wei arrives and informs Pao of the impending arrival of Kao Chi Chung, at whose place new Shaolin fighters arrive and inform Hu of the massacre at Si Sin Temple and of a hooded man and three men wearing monkey masks. Shortly thereafter, Wei arrives at Hu's house to tell him of his plan to free Tung. He assures Hu that he's a friend, although he is a Wu-Tang student. While left in the custody of Wei and Erwan, Wei helps Tung to escape. Erwan suspects him and leaves to report this to Feng Tei and Pai Mei. Kao Ching Chung and the three Yuan brothers show up, befriend the Shaolin, especially Tung Chin Chin, and set a trap. Tung is badly injured and the Yuan's monkey style is too effective for the remainder of the Shaolin men. Wei betrays the Wu-Tang clan, helps Tung, and kills Pao San while Erwan watches. She tearfully asks him why he would betray his own adoptive family and kill her uncle, her only family member. In response, a speechless Wei kills himself, and Hu Wei Chin kills the Yuan brothers. Tung dies from his injuries after bending and snapping Kao Chin Chung's back with an assist from Hu Wei Chin. Two Shaolin fighters manage to survive, as well as Erwan, and they get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah, so that's the movie. I apologize for being a little tongue-tied with all the Chinese names there, but uh, uh, first impressions, Pat. Um, this one was a lot of fun. Obviously, I'm always a, a fan of... Uh... Lo Meng, so you know, pretty much any character he's going to play, like that's 
that's the character I'm rooting for. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's so much he's so much fun in this movie and it's uh it kind of confused me because I was trying to, you know, you know, I watched it on uh Amazon as well. Oh, good. And it has um different like the subtitles are different. So like the yeah. names are different. Like instead of Wu Tang, it's Wu Dang. Like it's almost right. like they're uh using the phonetic Chinese to use the uh to, you know, to make the subtitle. So, like, the names that I saw on the screen are different from the names that are on, like, uh, Wikipedia or IMDb. But, right. you know, they're close enough that you can, you know, you can figure out who is who. I think, like, I've noticed in the past since we've been doing the show, things like you mentioned, like Wu-Tang is spelt Wu-Dang, but I think it's pronounced Wu-Tang because in the movie they, they said Wu-Tang, right? Oh, yeah. In the English dub. And also the, the Qing Dynasty the Qing Dynasty, I cannot speak today, is spelled Q-I-N-G. Yes. And so I think that's also pronounced Ch. Yeah. Like Qing Dynasty. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't claim to know any Chinese, so I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it seems like there's a lot of different rules and things, you know, just like any other language. Yeah. You know, like yeah, certain exactly. certain letter combinations mean certain things when you put them together, you know. Yeah. But no, this was a lot of fun. Um, I liked... Chang Shang and Lo Meng together. Um, yes. Like, they're just, they're so charismatic and fun and, like, goofy kids sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, getting to see them, you know, kind of play off each other. Like, and, of course, the uh, the great, the great uh, choreography, the, the special effects uh, of, you know, th- I think the, the, the funniest thing to me, you know, not, like, funny, but, like, the thing that stands out as like something that's just normal is, you know, guys routinely jumping twenty five feet in the air. Yeah. Like to leave conversations <laughs> like, Oh, thank you. I'll see you later. And they just like leap over a building. And yeah. it's like, Oh, okay, that's normal. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 plot was pretty good and I liked the uh you know, when they when they issued the challenge, like, yeah, come up to us and even if somebody dies or gets injured, there'll be no repercussions whatsoever. Right. And then the guy dies and it's like, I was not expecting that, and they were not subtle about it at all. Oh god. See the dude take a flying kick and then he just gets his entire like dick and balls just ripped off. <laughs> and like you see just like this chunk of bloody meat uh in, in Chang Shen's hand. And he's just like, yeah, it's like, yep. And now he's dead. I, I audibly screamed at that. I was like, oh, it's like, Ooh, oh, 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 like we're used to seeing like some ridiculous deaths. But like, that's the first death by emasculation I think we've seen in one of these movies. Yeah, I think we got what was it? Uh, Mast Avengers, where the guy leaped over the stagecoach and right onto the spear. Yes, that was pretty close. Yeah, like that was close, but that was like, you know, he landed on a spear. That was his own dumbass fault. Right. Like this was a pre-thought-out move. It was like, all right, if he jump kicks me, I'm going to rip his dick off. Like, right. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Yeah. That was so funny. What, now, one thing I noticed at the very beginning in the credits, and I, I was like, no, I can't. this can't be right. Uh, Philip Kwok was not in this movie. Yeah, which I was kind of bummed about. 
Well, I guess what happened is, according to what I've read online, the, the rumor mills are saying anyways that there was a rift occurring between him and Liu Fang over the choreography credits in the previous two films. Mm. So they came to an, an agreement that Phil Kwok would sit out two champions of Shaolin and Liu Fang will sit out a later film. So um, thus giving the role usually filled by um, Kuo to Lo Mang. So he got the main. That's why he got the main role here. Makes sense. But he is still listed as, um, like I said, he's um, one of the choreographers on this. So that's why the fights were so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I haven't seen one where I was like, man, the fights sucked in this. Like, yeah. even, you know, the, 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 the Gates of Hell one from last time, like, the fights were still good. Right. And I like the fact that they're always showing off, like, anytime... Like, they need, like, a super strong character. It's always Lomang. Right. <laughs> I mean, the dude is pretty jacked, but, like, it'd be, like, one of those things. It's it's kind of like when I met the cast of The Warriors, and, like, you watch that movie so much, like, when you're a kid, and then you go and you meet the guys, and it's like, wait, you're vermin? You're, like, 5'6". Right. Like, that's so weird. <laughs> like, I'm bigger than you are. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> you know, like, because you see some of these guys, and you're like, oh, my God. You know, uh, David Harris, who plays uh, Cochise, I'm like, oh, this dude's got to be like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I mean, look at him. He's just huge. Nope. He's like 5'9". Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. So, like, That's these guys are movie. probably, like, you know, the same thing. It'm like, oh, I'm this huge jacked guy. And it's like, oh, I'm 5'6". It's like, oh. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But it doesn't matter because, like, everybody is so good at what they do. Like, their art is so good. Uh, Lu Feng... Uh, I thought played his role really well, but it was it was weird in the uh, subtitles. He was Gao, right, which was kind of threw me off as opposed to Cow. But I I thought he was really good, and you like you know you really get to see his fighting style at the end, and it's like ah oh, you cheating son of a bitch with your stupid yeah. needles. Oh and th- no, what a dick move! That was so bad. But he, but he definitely, you know, cut loose again with his spear. That's, I think, his weapon of choice mm. is the spear. And that, this one was like a trident kind of spear, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it had like a, a, the, the three points at the end, <clears throat> two facing out and then one facing forward. Yeah. I liked Which, it. That was such a great fight with him and, him and Lomang. I mean, they usually are. Yeah. I loved Chang Sheng's various fight scenes. I love when they show off his his you know athleticism and acrobatic prowess. And although when he uh when they were doing the 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 scheduled fight when he climbed up the uh the the pole there to yeah. You could definitely see the wire holding him up. Right. <laughs> which you generally don't do. You generally right. do not see the wires. Like this was I think the first time in all of these films that I've seen a wire. That's funny. I didn't actually see the wire, but it was just the way his body was interacting with the pole and the gravity. You could tell he was on wire. Oh, yeah. The fact that he was holding it and he was completely horizontal. Yeah. And he was just kind of <laughs> climbing up. It's like, all right, I'll buy the fact that you could maybe hold yourself straight out, but I'm not going to yeah. buy the fact that you can do it with one hand while climbing. No. Right. <laughs> you know, I did notice, though, that he... They didn't show off Chang Chang's acrobatics that much in this movie. He did a little bit. I think he could have done more in this movie. Yeah, but I think they were... Uh, I don't think they wanted to 
kind of overshadow or confuse people with the, uh, you know, the guys that did the uh, the monkey boxing. Right, right. You know, because monkey style kung fu has a lot of acrobatics and rolling and 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 flipping and and whatnot. It's definitely a lot different from, uh, you know, what you would normally see. That's true. That's true. You know, I, w- I wish they could have done it back then. But did you ever watch? Um, it was an anime called Science Ninja Team Gachaman. And over here, it was called Battle of the Planets. Have you ever seen that? I am unfamiliar with that one. Okay, I'll have to send that to you after the show. But um, basically, when the characters... It's a Japanese, obviously, anime. Uh, but when the characters fight, there are a lot of flips and acrobatics and cartwheels and stuff. And I always wished... You know, watching these movies now, I, I kind of wish they could have somehow done a Chinese version, live-action version of that with these actors doing those kind of fights. Because those fights in the in that show, even though the Battle of the Planets is highly cut for American audiences, when you get to see the original Japanese versions, it's they're so good. And they're a lot like these, except, you know, with animation you can get away with more. Right. But so let's take a look at our cast here. We've got the director, of course, was Chang Che. And um the action directors were Philip Kwok and Lu Fang and Chiang Sheng. So they are the three of them combined really put out some amazing fight scenes in this movie. And then we've got we've got of course Lu Feng played Kao, Kao Sui Wen or Kao Chin Chong. And then Lo Meng was Tung Chen Chen. Uh Chiang Sheng was Hu Wei Chen. Chin Si Hu played Wei Sing Hung. And uh Wang Li was the Wu Tang boss. Uh Yu Tai Ping, um which we get to see some female action in this movie, which was cool. She's the um, she was Wang the uh, Wang Li de Tong, the the Wu Tang. I'm sorry, I I confused that. Yu Tai Ping was the the Wang the Wu Tang knife expert dude. He was the guy with the pointy nose that we always point out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sun Qian was in it uh, as uh, Chin Tai Lei. He he didn't last long in the movie, but he had a great fight scene. Yeah, where we got to see his kicks again. And then the the girl I, I meant to mention um, was Candy Wen Zhu Er. She played Er Wang. She was the assassin chick who killed the bride. And uh, we're we're gonna see her again uh, when we cover Ode to Gallantry and the Sword Stained with Royal Blood, which are in the in the queue for Venom movies. So yeah, it was nice to see some female actors in this movie doing some cool things. One question I had though for you, uh, Pat, was why did the bride leave the wedding party? I I rewound it and watched it like two or three times and there was no indication that anything was wrong yet she goes to the bedroom and looks depressed maybe because everybody was drinking or maybe because uh you know i don't know there was there's always you know some reason you know it's like you know so the movie could happen you know right a plot device that's what i was thinking so that she could be assassinated yes you know separate her from the party um yeah, so I thought that was interesting. But one thing we notice about this movie is um Chang Che is uh starting to put together his his uh Venom his B Venom squad, uh which we've got actors Wang Li, Chin Su Ho and Yu Tai Ping, um, along with you know, female characters in this movie. So, you know, the Venoms had been going now since what, seventy six, I think, with five deadly venoms, seventy seven. Something like that. So yeah, so now we're into 1980, and um, he's starting to pull this little B-squad together of guys, so we're going to see a lot more of them, I believe, in upcoming films. Oh, and this movie, they finally had Shaolin in a movie with Shaolin in the title. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to just being like a a plot device. Oh, my God. Yeah, or just a yeah, marketing tool. Yeah, that's what I was doing. So that was nice. 
uh, getting back to that whole, you know, Qing versus Manchu, uh, you know, what do you call it? A ba- not a battle, but the rivalry, rivalry that was yeah, going yeah. on there. So that was cool. What did you think of the boomerang daggers? Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool effect. Um, <laughs> the one that I thought, you know, again, you know, the, the, the comedic parts of these movies where he throws it and it's just kind of circling around uh, Lomang's head <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Yeah. I kept waiting for the Muppet to come out and go, Ooh, I got my boomerang fish. <laughs> Lou Zealand. Yeah. What was the? There was one scene where the the uh, Sun Chen and his sister are teaching Lo Meng how to defend against it, and then he catches one in his mouth and falls down, and it looks like he's hurt, and then he jumps up and scares her. That was funny. Yeah, <laughs> but again, like that's that's Lo Meng. Like he's he's gonna do stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I think we talked about it in a previous episode. He was, um, if I remember correctly. He wasn't a bodybuilder. He was just naturally buff. Um, he didn't really do much weightlifting, so that's why I think they always put him in these strongman roles, you know. Well, it's it's you know kind of like how you know Bruce Lee looked, you know, from doing so much training. Right. And I think that's the the same type of thing. Like he just trains yeah. all the time, and he's doing all these different different moves. Different. I mean, because we've seen him do some like crazy stuff, like the the thumb push ups. Oh yeah. You know, in order to do that, like, that's not something that you can just be like, oh, let me see if I can do this. Like, no. Right. That's something you got to you gotta be trained for. Oh, my God. My thumbs probably wouldn't speak to me for a week after that if I tried that. Oh, I wouldn't even try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what would be really cool? I was thinking um, Lomang versus Bambino. That would have been a cool fight. Ooh, that would be a good fight. So the two of them are just, you know, unstoppable. They're tanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But, hey, Lomang gets to wear a Thor helmet at his wedding, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's fun. I was like, that's, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the symbolism is for that, but, like, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and, of course, Chang Chang getting drunk was hilarious, but that was obviously another plot device because they didn't want to, either he would have turned the tide in that wedding battle that they had, or uh, or he would have gotten killed. So I think that was pretty smart on the... You know, a part of the writers to make him uh, put him out of commission for that fight. Yeah. Uh, of course, um, you know, Sun Chen get killed, and I was kind of disappointed at that. There's always one of them gets killed early on in the movie, and it's like, no! Yeah, like, oh, Jesus, guys, live through a movie for more than five minutes, would you? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I liked, I liked the plot thread of killing the wife, because... That really, you know, as an audience member, it made me feel for him, and you could understand his his need for revenge after that. You know, I thought I thought his acting, uh, Lo Meng's acting, was really good after that. Mm. Well, I mean, she's the uh, you know wife of a or a love interest of a main character in an action movie. I mean, that generally doesn't end well. Yeah, John Wick, uh, Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon Two. You know, yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> Even Lethal Weapon 3 almost killed Rene Russo. That's true. And that, that young cop got killed on his birthday. What was it, 21 today? Yeah. Happy birthday, kid. Yeah, there were so many good things. That wedding fight was really something. I didn't. I actually didn't believe that Sun Chen was dead until he was just standing there with the two guys, you know, leaning against him. That he had impaled on the sword that was stuck in his stomach. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool move. It's like, ah. I don't have a weapon. Oh wait, I have this sword sticking out of my gullet. Let me uh <laughs> let me just use this. 
And then, of course, we've mentioned, you know, Lu Feng stabbing Lo Meng in the back with his needles. And the other guy that kind of broke away from the Wu-Tangs was using his magnet, which was kind of cool that they set up earlier in the movie that those symbols were magnetized. So he was able to pull them out of his back, which was cool. I don't think he needed a magnet to pull those out. He probably could have just pulled them out on his own. Yeah. I, I kind of gathered that there was maybe some sort of acupuncture reason for that, that the force of just grabbing it and yanking it would cause him, like, irreparable damage or something. I don't know. It's It just looked cool. Yeah. It was a cool effect. It was like, I was trying to figure out how they did that. You know, was that his, was Lo Ming, like, in the table with a fake body, you know, on the table, maybe? I'm thinking maybe it was, like, a collapsible, uh, a collapsible thing. Like when yeah, they so he, pulled it out, like it was just stretching out, like it was like oh okay, like an antenna. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That could be it. Of course, then he's bleeding out of his mouth because of that, and you know when a character bleeds out of their mouth in a movie that they're not long for the picture. Yeah, but you know, I, uh, you and I have talked about this in the past. Like that's overdone. It's like oh, I got kicked in the leg. Oh, I'm spitting up blood. It's like wait, why? <laughs> Like, that's supposed to be saved for, you know, catastrophic internal injury. Quint in Jaws. There's right. a reason he spit up blood. His entire <laughs> rib cage and all of his organs were being crushed and forced out of his mouth. <laughs> but, like, there's so many times where a guy just, like, will get, like, shot in the leg or shot twice in the arm and he'll spit blood. And it's like, why are you spitting blood? Oh, because it yeah. looks scary. It's like, yeah, but it's stupid. <laughs> oh, man. So this movie, um, I definitely, I loved it. I thought it was back to true form after that last uh, travesty that we had to watch last time. Yeah, not a fan of that one. Yeah, no. Um, so, all right. So uh, anything else uh, you wanted to mention about uh, Two Champions of Shaolin? No, I think that was a pretty uh, accurate summary i think we both enjoyed the film uh as usual like it's getting harder and harder to find you know new things to say about this new superlatives to use about the different characters right because uh, we keep saying the same things over and over yeah <laughs> you know these are great movies they're a lot of fun the characters are excellent you know the the plots are not for the most part you know contrived it's like yeah there's a couple of things that happened that might not make a whole lot of sense to drive the plot forward but you know, for the most part, you know, these are quality films that are, are done really well and have some of the greatest fight scenes ever put to film. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and as much as it's kind of a, a stretch in terms of reality, Lo Meng ripping the tree out of the ground was really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that was absolutely like, no, you're not doing that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> looks cool, but no. Did you think that... Did you think Lu Feng was on, on the level at first? Because I just didn't trust him right when I saw him. He just oh, had no, something. I, you, no, you never trust that guy. Yeah. <laughs> never, never trust him. <laughs> Fun fact, though, his uh, IMDb picture is from this movie. Oh, that's right. Oh, and did you see the the Chemical Brothers video that I sent you? I didn't. It's but basically I will. like, yeah, Chemical Brothers were a band. Uh, I don't know. I, they might have been like a hard rock, like a prodigy kind of band back in probably the 90s, early 2000s, and they took this movie, and not only did they just make a music video out of it, like setting scenes of it to their song, they also manipulated the, vo the, the, the lips of the actors to be saying the words of the song. Oh, very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I highly recommend the listeners check that out. It's uh, it's the Chemical Brothers, and let's see if I can remember what the name of it is. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my Get head. Get Yourself oh, High. Oh, there it is. Get Yourself High. Yep, that was it. So, yeah. So, all right. So we, we highly recommend Two Champions of Shaolin or Two Champions of Death from 1980. And uh, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we will jump into the Spaghetti Western Trinity is constantly still my my mother's name. No, Trinity is still my name from 1971. Greetings. This is Mr. Lobo. Are you a Sinsomniac? Do you stay up late and watch what normal people call bad movies till dawn? Black and white low-budget pot boilers, box office bombs, West German talking car movies, rock bands versus monster movies, broken down school films, midget zombie and midget spy flicks, guys in gorilla suit movies, even old TV commercials, inappropriate cartoons, drive-in snack bar ads, and worse? Well, we like to say they're not bad movies just misunderstood stay up late with miss mittens your host mr lobo and a revolving door of special guests fellow horror movie hosts robot monsters and lovely real seven girls for a late night tv slumber party that we call cinema insomnia you can watch us on channel osi 74 for roku we even have some episodes on amazon and alpha video dvd you may never get a good night's sleep again Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Get back at you! 
If you wink like that again, I'll... We'll flatten the whole bunch of you. Aren't you here to confess? Yeah, among other things. See if you're going to absolve me, too. Aside from myself, only he shall know. No. Either it's between you and me or nothing doing. Sorry. Where are we headed? North. Why north? Because I said so. So Trinity is still my name, also known as they kept calling him Trinity. Again, good thing, because Trinity is still his name. Uh, From 1971, directed by Enzo Barboni, starring the iconic duo of Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer, is a sequel to They Call Me Trinity. And I don't know what the third one would have been had there been a third one, but maybe it was Stop Calling Me Trinity. My name is Doug. I don't know. Um... But in the opening scene, we see Bambino, Bud Spencer, walking through the desert carrying his saddle and finds four escaped convicts from whom he steals their beans and horses. Now, it's funny how he gets both of those because these guys are stupid. Um, <laughs> he, he walks up on them because he sees their smoke from their fire and has his gun out, pulls the gun on them, and it turns out he doesn't have any bullets, and he's just kind of joking around, like, oh, see, I wasn't really going to kill you. I don't have any ammo anyways. Hey, do you have some ammo? And they're like, yeah, here you go. And he's like, oh, thanks. Let me load my gun. And then hold you up again and eat all your goddamn beans. <laughs> now I'm also going to steal your horses. And he ends up clocking one of the guys in his signature move, which he does about 412 times, where he just takes one of his ham-sized fists and just bops the guy on the top of the head. Um, and addled his brain. So right after that, we see Trinity on his, and they refer to it as a litter. So I was like, oh, nice. I did get that right. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure if that was right last time. They call it a Travoice on the uh, summary that I have. But he comes across the convicts who are making more beans, and he also tricks them and steals their beans so twice in like 10 minutes they they don't get any beans they are beanless so trinity ends up uh continuing to his home finds uh bambino having a bath and trinity tell smells so bad which i mean yeah uh (laughs) like you can see how gross and dirty he is He's told to bathe, too, which, you know, they use the same water, which definitely hygienic. And it was kind of greenish, which I'm guessing has to do with the fact that the tub might have been made of copper. That's my guess. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, he cleans up, washes himself off, and puts on his same filthy rags that he had been wearing before. So that'll... <laughs> Ugh, gross. But the uh, convicts show up, and they walk into the house, and they're like, give me all your money. And, like, Trinity, Bambino, and their dad are just kind of sitting there like, 
eating some sort of flying bird, which they think might have been an eagle. Uh, but their mom's like, I shot it. It was just flying around. I don't know what it was. I shot it and cooked it. I mean, it looked good. Um, I thought it might have been one of the turkeys that uh, Trinity had said he was accused of rustling because he's trying right. to put a bounty on his head. Right. So he, uh, they're sitting there just ripping it apart like a pack of starved hyenas. And uh, Mama Trinity comes in from behind and pushes them all out, and the guy who got his brains addled, even though Trinity had told those guys, like, hey, maybe if you whack him again, you know, it might come back to his senses. And then one of the convicts was like, yeah, I heard that too. So they tried it. It didn't work. It's like, well, it doesn't work every time. And the other guy was like, yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> like, this, this movie has a lot of uh, comedy, both unintentional and intentional. So before they are ushered outside at gunpoint, Papa Trinity goes over and takes whatever money and and whatnot that you know uh, Bambino did not relieve them of prior. So later that night, Papa Trinity decides he's going to pretend to be dying, makes Trinity and Bambino promise to work together. Bambino is going to teach Trinity how to be a successful horse thief. <laughs> and later on, and again, this is part of the uh, <laughs> the awesome recurring jokes. They see a wagon with two tired mules. They're like, all right, let's rob them. And all they find is a baby with a, a, a family with a sick baby. And they, uh, he's like, all right, give me your money. And they're like, we don't have any money. Like, we're just, you know, we're going to the to town to, to see a doctor. Oh, you're going to see a doctor, eh? Then you have money. Give it up. And they're like, no, we're going to sell our wagon. It's like, ah. <laughs> so they end up helping them change the wagon wheel. <laughs> And giving them money, <laughs> which is the opposite of a robbery, especially because, you know, Bambino tells Trinity, go check in back, see what's in back. And he just all he finds is this like gorgeous blonde girl. And so he's just like, oh, nothing but some old ladies and uh, uh, an old lady and some rags. <laughs> and so, of course, the two of them, you know, absolutely. uh you know, fall for each other because they're both attractive and they're both the leads. So that's how it has right. to be. So, and this isn't the only time that we see this happen. It happens three or four times throughout the movie. <laughs> it's like, we were going to rob these guys. And it's like, oh, you're just the nicest fellas we ever met. So when uh, Trinity and Bambino arrive in town, they head to the local saloon. And Trinity, Bambino, and two cowboys play cards with a professional sharper named Wildcard Hendrix. Of course, Trinity is, uh, you know, no slouch when it comes to dealing cards, so he deals everybody. And did you notice when they cut the deck, they took, like, the, the, the top stack and put it to the side, and he just took it and put it right back exactly where yes. it was? I did <laughs> notice that, yes. <laughs> but no one else did. Right. So uh, Trinity is able to win, and, of course, Hendricks accuses him of being a cheater. And uh, Trinity, uh, he, he, uh, Hendrix takes him over to the bar and like, he's like, oh, I'll order you some whiskey so you won't even feel the bullet when I shoot you. And now this scene I had seen before years ago, decades ago in a commercial. And I don't remember what the commercial was for. Oh, interesting. Um, because I recall seeing this guy and it, it played a bunch of times and I couldn't tell you 
where it was, but it always left an impression on me because he was so fast. Instead of like drawing their guns, he slaps Hendricks, stunning him, and then draws his gun. And then he does it like four or five more times, you know, doing some cool little, uh, you know, twirly moves with his guns. And then looks at him and goes, did you catch all that? Should I do it again? Some people have a hard time catching it on the first time. Here, watch. I'll do it again. And he just goes through the whole thing, slapping him and everything. And he's like, did you catch it that time? I really hope you did. (laughs) Oh, it's so great. And... You know, wild card goes to leave, and he's like, you think this is over? And he's like, yeah, I do. (laughs) And uh, right as he reaches the door, he turns to shoot Trinity, but Trinity shoots the gun out of his hand, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So Trinity and Bambino go buy new suits with their winnings, bathe, you know, get all nice and clean, you know, looking uh, very dapper, very handsome. And, of course, running into... You know, the first thing Trinity sees is the blonde girl from the wagon. And he looks at her and goes, holy Moses. And she looks over at him and goes, holy Moses. <laughs> because, you know, you know, that's just how normal people talk. Um, right. So it turns out that, you know, he starts telling her that they're undercover agents uh, that they are uh, they're federal agents working undercover as supposed outlaws with Bambino as the captain and Trinity the lieutenant when the brothers go into a smart restaurant I don't know why it says smart it's fancy it's like you know what it reminds me of the scene in Blues Brothers how much for the little girl True. They consume huge quantities of food with a notable lack of table manners. And to be honest, the end part is definitely not their fault. They go to make like <laughs> flaming crepes yeah. and the guy says it to him in French and they have no idea. So when the flame bursts out of the, uh, the, the frying pan right next to Trinity's face, uh, Bambino douses, the, douses it and Trinity slaps the guy. They're like, what? He just said that cake's on fire. We saw him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was great. Um, So they end up finding, uh, they end up drawing a lot of attention at the restaurant, as one would do in that situation. And he's like, well, federal agents, you know, every one of them can be bought. So they're like, all right, so, uh, you know, meet us here. You know, we want to talk to you. So they meet him at his place. And turns out that he, uh, he's like a, local scumbag and he's kind of in charge of everything so he tells he tells bud he's like all right you know uh what if i were to give you two thousand dollars to keep an eye closed and trinity starts you know jumping in because he is the hustler he's like well wouldn't you want both eyes closed i'd say that's worth at least two thousand dollars it's like all right two thousand dollars and he's like well what about me don't you want both my eyes closed that's going to be another two (laughs) two plus two is four thousand (laughs) <laughs> so they take the money and of course they're not federal agents so you know nothing they said really means anything so the two of them travel to a town called San Jose because that's where uh, uh, the uh, farmer's daughter said that they were going and uh, the sheriff informs Trinity and Bambino that everybody in San Jose works for the man who paid them the 4000 and they should just avoid the local mission especially It's like, well, if you're going to tell Trinity something like that, obviously the first thing he's going to do is go and inspect (laughs) the mission. So they also, uh, they start a bar brawl with some convicts they recognize, take them to the county sheriff, 
for the bounty. Uh, then they go to the mission. Bambino pretends he comes to uh, confess, and you know it's covered up by by music. And the priest just looks shocked. And then he's like, and then I turned 13. And it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it turns out that the man who paid them off uses the mission for gun running and to store stolen loot with his men disguised as monks. So the brothers convince the real monks into helping them beat the outlaws while actually planning to take the loot for themselves. After a long fight, which the brothers and the monks naturally win, a group of rangers shows up and arrests the outlaws. One of them thinks he recognizes Bambino as a wanted horse thief. So to... Kind of throw him off the scent. Trinity's like, no, 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 we're federal, uh, we're federal agents. Here, here's the fifty thousand dollars that was stolen, which, of <laughs> course, you know, really, you know, it infuriates Bambino. But at the same time, he did not want to go to jail. Right. Uh, so they ride away squabbling, and they once again see the pioneering family stuck in the river, <laughs> and the film ends with Trinity riding down to help them. <laughs> Oh, man. I just love how Bambino's always confounded and annoyed by Trinity, yet he still works with him. <laughs> well, I mean, there are advantages to working with the best. Like, and we saw when they got the money, you know, they were, uh, you know, the guy, what the hell is his name? Parker. Parker? Yeah. Mr. Parker, yeah. Parker's like, oh, my guy, you know, he's over there. Look at him. Oh, he's so badass. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's... Like, he wanted to just, you know, close your eyes in a different way. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then Trinity fires his gun and lights the match that's in one of the guy's mouths. Yeah. And then Bambino fires his gun and shoots the flame out. Right. He's like, yeah, but you never know what you're going to be up against. <laughs> oh, my God. This The whole movie, once again was just hilarious from beginning to end and every single scene had something funny going on whether it was dialogue or you know sideways glances or what have you that was just just jam packed full of funny stuff although i did feel that unlike the first one the first one had more of a straightforward plot and this one did tend to meander a little bit but it didn't in you know it didn't affect my enjoyment of the film i i loved it anyways this one reminded me a lot of the last one where it's like oh a bunch of religious people are being are being, you know, you know, harassed by this bunch of jerks and we need to stop them. Well, I don't want to stop yeah. them. Well, we're gonna. And like at the end they still don't end up with any of the reward that they worked so hard to get. Now, right. my biggest issue with this movie. I don't know when this is supposed to take place, but I guarantee you there were no football teams back then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm fine with them, like, tossing the thing, running back and forth, you know, but not going, hut, hut, go long. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering the same thing myself. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I mean, the oldest franchise, I believe, was the Chicago Cardinals. And that was, like, 1896. Right, and this would have been well before that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was a Chicago at this point. Right. <laughs> I mean, there might have. Been, I don't. I don't know all of my, all of my history. Now, I did see uh, box office numbers for this. Oh, okay. And you know, it doesn't have uh, you know adjusted for inflation, but there were fourteen million five hundred fifty-four thousand one hundred seventy-two admissions bought. Wow. In Italy, that's not counting the American numbers. Right. Um, that's pretty impressive. Like fourteen million tickets. Like you do that today. You know, times 12, 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, you got yourself a pretty solid, you know, seventy, eighty dollar, seventy, eighty, seventy or eighty million dollar, uh, eight hundred million dollar movie. Like you're you're approaching a billion dollars. Like that's a oh, yeah. that's a quality uh, opening. So, you know, these were the the blockbusters that people went to see. I mean, not that there was tons of stuff coming out all the time. But... Oh yeah, back then there was like five movies a week. But yeah, this one I think it um. Uh, what was I going to say? If I can remember correctly, it's still like one of the most top grossing films of Italy of all time. Yeah, it's so good, though. Like this, this might be my favorite one so far. Nice. I will say other than the football thing, my only real complaint was they got real sloppy with the fight choreography and sound effects. Yeah. Uh, You know, sound coming before or after somebody gets hit, clear people not getting hit. Right. Um, <laughs> like, there were some good moves, but, like, again, you know, Bud Spencer did his signature ham fist to the top of the dome, like, right. 9,000 times. <laughs> he conks the maitre d' at the restaurant on the head before they leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, this. But in that final fight scene where they're running around, and, again, you know, showing off... You know, because we can't have a movie go by without, you know, Terrence Hill showing you he can do a, a, a 9.9 dismount off the balance bar. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's still fun. Like, it definitely speaks to his character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think Bambino was a little bit more prominent in this movie. Trin- while Trinity was still awesome, Bambino had more of the, the lead in this. Yeah, he was he definitely like he's the first one shown, so that um, that's true. That helped. Yeah, you, you know what's funny? Uh, Terrence Hill just—I think it was either this morning or last night on Facebook—he posted a still shot of Trinity on the uh, on the litter, being dragged by the horse. So he still fondly remembers playing these characters. Yeah, I mean, I saw the uh, the fact that we reached out to him. Like, I'm kind of hoping that. He, uh, you know, takes you up on that because yeah. I'd love to chat with him. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to follow up on that uh, in the next week. And if any, if you're listening, Mr. Hill, please, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> I do tag him on these when I post these episodes, so I know he's seen them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just want to go into the cast a little bit here before I, uh, we start to break down some of the other funny running jokes throughout the whole thing. Uh, we've got The Farmer's Daughter was played by Yanti Summer. That was uh, She also goes by Trinity's Girl in mm-hmm. the list of credits. Uh, she was in a handful of Italian 70s sci-fi movies, including War of the Planets, Battle of the Stars, War of the Robots, and Star Odyssey, um, which I know I have seen at least three of those movies in the past. And... and it makes sense. I mean, she's definitely got the look for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And those are those crazy, cheesy Italian sci-fi movies. Like, those aren't, uh, I looked it up, those aren't Antonio Margariti films. Hmm. But he did do that, you know, quadrilogy of movies that were somewhat connected um, in the same vein. Then we've got Harry Carey Jr., who I don't think he's related to Harry Carey, the sports announcer. No, because that, uh, he has two A's in his last name. Oh, okay. Uh, He played Trinity and Bambino's father. And it was so great that we finally got to meet the, the mother and, and the father. Mama Trinity and Papa Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> Just learn where they get their table manners from. <laughs> but 
But man, this guy was in tons of westerns. Uh, he was a major character actor. He was even on TV shows like uh, the Lone Ranger show or that um, Spin and Marty um, series that was sort of part of the the Disney uh, Mickey Mouse Club show. And then um, he was also in The Exorcist Three. He had a part in Gremlins, and he was in Tombstone. Uh, just to name a few from the 156 things that he was in. So I really got to have to look this guy up because he, he was hilarious in this, too. I mean, you know what he looks like? He looks like a grizzled 1890s prospector. So, I mean, he's yeah. definitely got the look to, like, be in a Western. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, Mama Trinity, also known as Farah, uh, she was played by Jessica Dublin, and she was in the film uh, the the cult film Island of Death, which I have on Blu-ray. I watched it last year, and that was really a disturbing movie. But later on in her career, she was in a lot of trauma films, including Trauma's War and Toxic Avenger 2 and 3. Again, just to name a few, she was in a, a handful of other ones, too. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. She was great. I just loved her. There's so many funny lines of dialogue. Like, what was the one where... Um, she says, she says to Trinity, how come you never write? And Trinity says, oh, I don't know how to write, and you don't know how to read. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Bambino says to her, I got some extra ammunition in my saddle, Ma. And she goes, yeah, well, be careful when you sit on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, like they, they definitely play off each other really, really well. Yeah. Bambino definitely doesn't look like them. Trinity does. But Bambino does not look like them. And it also gives you a little bit more about the uh, social views on marriage and weddings and whatnot. Because they talk about how they had their wedding, their big reception at the saloon. And, you know, uh, Bambino was, you know, like four or five. And, you know, Trinity was just, you know, a toddler running around. And they had just gotten married. But there's not like, it's not like, oh, no, you... You know, had a child, had two children out of wedlock, curse you right. to hell. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was just like, we're having a huge party at a bar and we brought our toddlers. Right. <laughs> Somebody keep an eye on them. And I just love, too, how you can tell that they they got their, well, I wouldn't say that Bambino's calm. I guess he's calm. And Trinity's very calm. And they, they kind of get that from the parents, even though the mother's kind of hyper. They Like when she spots the bandits coming, approaching the house, and she goes and gets the shotgun. And, and Trinity and Bambino and the dad, they just continue to sit there eating because they know Ma's going to take care of it. They're not worried at all. It's like, hey, you're already up. You want to take care of this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when he says the line about the ammunition in the in the saddle. That's right. Yep, yep. And um, so we've got this guy, uh, Emilio Del Piane. He played Mr. Parker, and he's going to show up in later Hill and Spencer movies, and one of which is called Crime Busters. So when we do our, our special, you know, Outside the East Meets the West, we'll cover that one because that one looks really good. I've been t- Just the more I delve into these movies in terms of just research for the one we're talking about, I start to see other ones pop up. But these guys, they were making action movies and, you know, buddy cop films into the 90s. Yeah, which is great because they have such a great rapport. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think, I could be wrong, but I think the the face slapping scene appears in another film. I don't know anything about it because, you know, like you said, we try to not know about these movies before watching it. But I think I did read that that they sort of like... um, like almost like an Abbott and Costello routine. They do they do repeat some of their routines, I think, in later films. Well, what's funny is I was expecting it in the last one. And I'm like, oh, is this the movie where he does that? And then he didn't. And I was like, oh, maybe it's, you know, something else completely. 
But then mm. when I saw the scene start to fold, uh, unfold in this movie, I'm like, this might be the one where he does that. You know, because like I said, I had seen it years and years and years and years and years ago. And yeah. Again, I don't remember what it was for. Like, maybe the movie was playing. I don't know. Um, right. But I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. Yeah. I, I think in the last one they did it, they did a similar scene where he was spinning his gun really fast. Yes. But maybe they just hadn't thought to do that until they did this one. So, well, let's do the, sim- the same scene. Well, let's do it, change it up a little bit and have him slap, you know, the guy in the face. It is a memorable scene. Yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of slaps, that reminded me, and I, I think I sent it to you the link. There was a game, I don't know, it was kind of a, a like a 16-bit game or something, made pretty recently, like I think around 2013, and it was Bud, Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill, Slaps and Beans. Huh. <laughs> so I, I may have sent you the link. If not, I'll, I'll do that afterward. I'll put it in the show notes, too. Because it's just slaps and beans. It just looks so funny. And for the fact that someone made, uh, you know, a game recently about these guys with their names in it, like I think they had to, you know, license them. That's pretty hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, so the rest of the cast, um, again, they're probably actors that we'll probably see in, in future spaghetti westerns. Yeah, it, this is one of the top grossing films in Italian cinema history. And... um did you notice, though, that the name Trinity is only mentioned in the theme song? I don't think they ever actually refer to him as Trinity in the movie. Uh, only his mom does. Oh, right. That's right. But, like, nobody outside of that, because I, w- I was going to bring that up. It's like, oh, they still call me Trinity, except they really don't. They should have been called <laughs> Don't Call Me Bambino. Right. <laughs> he even says at one point, well, then what do you want me to call you? Nothing. So what was there was another one too when uh oh oh that was what I was gonna say I love when the, the father wants them to become successful bandits with a price on their head so that they'll amount to something yeah <laughs> I mean it makes sense oh man and then the couple that they encounter the the farmer and his wife and the daughter and the baby the, the farmer after the whole incident that you described where they repair they not only repair the wagon but give them money he goes that's the strangest pair of outlaws I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, not a uh, not typical. Oh man! And the best was the baby had gas problems. He just kept farting all the time. Yeah, and uh, Bambino calls him Little Windy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it was either Little Ebenezer or like Bambino said Little Windy, which was hilarious. Oh, because the baby kept farting all the time. <laughs> like that was another running gag. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe uh, maybe Trinity and Bambino gave him some of their beans. Right. Oh, my God. I don't even like beans, but it's just so funny watching them wolf down pans full of beans. Yeah, it's like there's like three – like that was enough for four dudes, and you're just eating all of it? Now you're going to go eat a fucking eagle? Right. <laughs> like they always show like how much that these guys can eat. Like, yeah. you know, for Bambino, it makes sense. Like that dude's huge, but – you know, maybe Trinity's just got a really high metabolism. Well, that, and they're always walking through the desert, too, so they probably don't eat for two or three days at a clip, and then when they eat, they're freaking starving. Mm. So, but there was just so many funny things. Like, when, when they go to talk to Mr. Parker, with, you know, of course, they're anticipating he's going to bribe them. Bambino's actually more interested in admiring the horses the guy has. 
He like doesn't even notice he's being spoken to for a little bit. Yeah, because he he wants the. I mean, there's a guy in the process of uh, attempting to break a horse like directly uh, behind them, uh, just off to their right, and you know all he can think of. And they bring it up at the end of uh, at the beginning of this when they're meeting with their parents, talking about the. Uh, you know, they bring up the fact that. You know, Trinity gave back all the uh, all the horses in the last movie. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing is, I love that little little character trait that it's in his blood to be a horse thief, and whenever he sees horses, that's his thing, and it just like almost mesmerizes him. You know. Yeah, because I mean, the first thing he says is like, you know, how old are these mules? You know, it's like yeah, like old. <laughs> I love character things like that. I did like. When they were trying to get the mules to cross the river, and Trinity's like, "Yeah, watch this." He's got the 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 blonde girl there, Yanti Somer. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, watch this." Yeah. Nothing happens, and then <laughs> what's his name comes over. It's just like, and he like whispers into the mule's ear, and then they just take off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> He's a horse whisperer or a mule whisperer. Yeah, it's like that's weird. <laughs> That was so cool. A lot of little cool stuff like that. Did you notice um, when they grabbed the, the three guys from the bar after they have the bar fight? Oh, which before I even mention that, he, they finished the fight and Bambino's walking around with a dude on his back and he doesn't even know it. Trinity goes, he coming with us? And the guy's like, like, oh, shit. Much obliged. And he like walks away. <laughs> and Bambino just kind of like nods at him like, yep. But then they, they bring the three guys to the sheriff, and they walk in. And did you notice this? Bambino says, uh, we got these three guys. We want the $800 reward. And so, you know, after, you know, talking a little bit, the sheriff agrees to pay them. Uh, you, obviously, he doesn't want to put them in jail because he's they're in cahoots. But then he goes, okay, here's your $500. And he makes them sign off on it, which, of course, Trinity just signs an X. But so there was a discrepancy there. And I wonder if it was a translation thing because they didn't question the fact that he said, okay, here's your 500 when they walked in and said, we want our 800. Yeah, but he had he had mentioned to them that it was a bad idea to even put them in there. And he's like, oh, 500 should call us about even. I did, I oh, did expect okay. them to haggle over it. But that wasn't really the plan. The plan was just get those guys locked up. The five, anything they got out of it was a bonus. Right. Okay. All right. That's true. Interesting. Yeah. That was. I liked the setup. I liked the way. Again, it was similar to the last movie where you've got this, you know, one dude that's sort of controlling the area. I mean, because they went from what was it, one city to another, and they somehow phoned ahead and warned them that the government agents were coming. Was it El Paso? I think or wherever they happened to have been to San Jose. Yeah. So somehow they they must have used the telegraph to get word out or I don't know I thought that was really yeah it's got to be a bit of a stretch or they used their cell phones maybe I don't know yeah they sent a raven yeah <laughs> but I think personally I think the best line in the movie or best couple of lines was when the monks mentioned Lucifer and Trinity goes you ever heard of him and Bambina goes no sounds like a professional from back east yeah <laughs> well if he shows up you let us know. It's just so funny, like, just the things that they just don't know. Like, I don't think Bambino really knew what he was supposed to be doing when he was going into the confessional. He he had obviously never been because he couldn't figure out even where to sit, where he's supposed to be. He kept opening the curtain back up. Yeah. <laughs> like, he tried to go in. He's like, where are you leading me? He's like, no, 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 I go in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. 
And then Bambino's messing with that poor bartender, and he keeps making him change the clock back two hours. Yeah, so it's probably like two in the morning at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first time, yeah, because when he makes him change it again, yeah, it was probably about two in the morning. But then the guy, who was the guy that uh, was a lawman? Was it one of the marshals? He kept coming in asking the bartender questions, and he'd look at the clock, and then he'd look at his watch and be like, huh, weird. And then the second time he comes in and <laughs> it's still the same time. It's like five minutes is passing. He just throws the watch across the room. Yeah. Like that was pretty funny. And that, that was the whole point was to get those guys locked up with the other uh, convicts from uh, Parker's gang to kind of, you know, even the odds as much as possible. Right. Right. That's right. So, yeah, um, you know, this was a, a great movie. And I'm looking forward to the next one. So, what are your final thoughts, first of all, on? Oh, this one. This one might be my favorite so far. Like, this is really, really good. I mean, obviously, you know, a few minor, minor, uh, you know, complaints aside, this was this was so fun and so so good. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I wonder if um, if they ever teamed up with anybody like a Lee Van Cleef or a Giuliano Gemma. I don't. I haven't. Look, really look that up, but that'd be fun. That would be awesome. And as we mentioned, uh, besides Westerns, Hill and Spencer teamed together for a shit ton of action-adventure movies over the course of 25 years, including Sergio Corbucci's Whenever You Find a Friend, You Find a Treasure, uh, Marcello Fondato's Watch Out, We're Mad, <laughs> uh, Italo, Italo Zingarelli's film I'm for the Hippopotamus, which I have no idea about that, and Bruno Corbucci made Super Cops of Miami. And that's one that I, I posted an interview with Hill and Spencer on the Facebook page for the East Meets the West where a local news reporter in Florida was interviewing them, which I think I mentioned last episode as well. But yeah, we're definitely uh, going to try and get our hands on these movies and cover them for future special episodes. That'd be pretty rad. Oh, yeah. So I recommend this movie too. I loved it. It's pretty close. I mean, I loved the other one, too, the last one, so it's kind of hard for me to sort of pick between them. It's almost like one big movie. Yeah, because it's just a con- continuation of each story, and I love it. Yeah, and they just don't miss a beat. You know, it's just, it, they flow so well together from one movie to the other. Yeah. Uh, much better than, you know, Bambino getting shot in the head and <laughs> forgetting all about it the next film. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got shot in the head. It's like, yeah, but you're fine. Right. Walk it off. So a um, couple of other things now uh, before we finish out this episode. I, I did remember um, that drive-in theater was the Mahoning Drive-In in Pennsylvania, which is they've got an interesting uh, lineup going on right now, actually, which is kind of too bad because by the time this post, this will have been done. But just to give you guys out there listening an idea, on Friday, April 23rd of 2021, they're going to show From Beyond the Keep and Amityville to the Possession, and those are all in 35 millimeter. And then Saturday on the 24th, they're showing Basket Case, Child's Play, and Of Unknown Origin. And ironically, on Sunday, April 25th, they will be showing A Fistful of Dollars, also on 35 millimeter. Very nice. So, I I recommend listeners, if you are in Pennsylvania, check out these drive-in theaters, or wherever you are. I know around here, up in Maine, we've got a couple of drive-ins that are playing some cool stuff too. So, um, Patsy, we I may have mentioned to you off air, we did get some correspondence. Yeah, I saw that. Definitely share that with the folks, because I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to, uh, let's see. Yeah, his name is Skeleton Claw, 
and that's what he wanted to go by. Uh, he gave us permission to read this on the air. He says, hey, enjoyed your most recent episode covering Heaven and Hell, and they call me Trinity. Just a couple of things regarding Heaven and Hell. This is actually one of my personal favorite Chang Che films just because it is so bonkers. I really don't I really do think it's quite misunderstood. According to his autobiography, Che's original plan was to make each segment based in a different style of dance. So Heaven would be representing the Peking opera, Earth representing modern dance, hence the cornball West Side Story dance slash fight with Fu Shang, and finally Hell covering that northern style acrobatic kung fu that the Venoms are so famous for. It doesn't always gel, but I give the guy points for trying something so ambitious while most of the time working with an otherwise pedestrian palette. He goes on to say, Also, while I haven't seen him say so in any interviews, the hell section is clearly inspired by the 1960 Japanese horror film Jigoku, a.k.a. Sinners of Hell, directed by Nobu Nakagawa, with all the gruesome punishments, etc. in it. I think anyone will come away from this going, yeah, that's where he got it from. Which I... I can't remember, Pat, if I mentioned it or not. I know it was in my notes, Jacogu, and I don't know if I mentioned it last episode. You may have. I don't recall. Yeah. So uh, he does continue on. He actually uh, followed up his letter with a couple of other letters. Um, also, the ox head and horse face characters in Hell are well-known Chinese mythological characters that have shown up from time to time in other Shaw horror movies. So um, I'll post that link in the show notes Awesome. Uh, also because he sent the link. And then he writes... Um, Fun factoid, the actress Lin Chan Chi that plays Li Yi Amin's girl, a.k.a. Red Dress, in Hell, you know, the one who fell out the window and died when she was on Earth, um, she retired from the business at a young age and married the rich owner of a famous chain of steakhouse restaurants in Hong Kong. Several years back, there was a big controversy over a viral video called Bus Uncle in which she became peripherally involved in and attempted suicide as a result. He says, look it up, crazy story. Wow. So Skeleton Claw finished up his letter by letting us know about a movie called Na Cha the Great with Fu Shang playing the title character, which Na, Sh- Na Cha, or Na Sha, I guess, was the same character that Chang Shang played uh, as the leader of the Poodle Guards in Heaven and Hell. You know, remember he had the expanding and contracting ring? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that'll, down the road, if that's a Shaw film, we'll definitely check that one out. And then he finishes by saying, anyway, keep up the good work. Ciao. So uh, special thanks to Seven Hooks for sending us that letter. That was really cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. Feedback's always appreciated. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so that's basically all the time we have for the East Meets the West today. Next episode, we are going to cover Flag of Iron, a.k.a. the Spearman of Death from 1980. And the Spaghetti Western, My Name is Nobody, with Terrence Hill and Henry Fonda, but sadly no Bud Spencer. So, Patsy, why don't you tell the nice listeners where they can find you online? Well, every uh, Thursday you can find me on Throwdown Thursday Podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, all those good places. Uh, My wife, Ashes, and I... We cover characters the way some folks do movie reviews. Uh, I think recently we've done uh, Grease, and uh, we'll be doing What We Do in the Shadows, and uh, we've got some good stuff coming up as well. You can also find me on the Throwdown Thursday Facebook group, the Loudest Sports Show Facebook group, and uh, you know here, obviously, and uh, every Monday streaming uh, all over different platforms on the Indie Creator Spotlight Show. Excellent, excellent. That's awesome. And folks, don't forget that the East Meets the West is part of the Dorkening Podcast Network also. So don't forget to check out all the other great shows there at thedorkening.com. And uh, like our 
uh, correspondence that we just mentioned, send us your thoughts on today's episode. And you can you can get us through our Facebook page, but you can also email us at the East Meets the West 42 at gmail.com. And uh, check out our website at havenpodcasts.com, where you can also find our sister show, Then Is Now, where we discuss all the cool stuff you may have missed out on and stuff that you probably should know. Also, please go to wherever you download your podcast and leave us a great review so more people can find our show. And check out The East Meets the West on YouTube at our YouTube page, youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1. And you'll find all our podcasts there, plus other fun stuff. And be sure to not only hit the subscribe button, but please share it with your friends and get them to subscribe as well. So thanks again for joining me, Pat. Oh, I always. I always have a great time. Excellent, excellent. So do I. So folks, join us again for our next episode of The East Meets the West. The East Meets the West is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. All clips played on the show are property of their copyright holders. All other material is copyright Jupiter Media. shows like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com